There was a major decision regarding annexation recently, and this is what the surrounding community had to say. I'm not happy about being annexed. I don't really, from my perspective and where we live in our neighborhood, I don't see how it's anything other than an extra taxation on us. I don't feel like we're getting any value out of it. And I think that it's uh, Olive Branch just getting more tax dollars to do what they want to. And I just don't feel like we're getting any services that offset the taxes that will be charged. I think overall, I'm just disappointed. We've lost those of us who lived in this area that has now recently been annexed. We've lost the benefit of living in the county. And now we're forced to pay city taxes and things that we haven't budgeted for and things that we didn't necessarily agree to didn't have much of a say in that. So overall, I would say I'm disappointed. No, sir, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. It's bad enough. I'm trying to survive month by month on a fixed income, finally having to readjust everything that I have to pay each month because of COVID and everything else. And now all of a sudden, government wants to reach their hand into my pocket. There's a reason why I didn't live in the city limits. Now it's getting forced upon me to have to do so. My services are going to go up. The amount of money I'm going to have to pay is going to go up. And I'm living life just fine the way it is right now. And I'm about darn sick and tired of people coming in and reaching into my pocket and ain't a darn thing I can do about it. Well, I I think it's really going to be fine. I'm looking forward, actually, to uh, being part of the city, having access to the city services, and hopefully our insurance will even go down a little bit. I, I think it's a good thing overall, and I'm glad to see the city growing. Well, to be honest with you, I'm really happy that the city is expanding out to where I live. I don't have good internet service, so hopefully that'll expand out that way. Well, I'm very excited we weren't annexed. I mean, I didn't want to pay all that property tax, and I didn't think anything was going to change if we were annexed. I'm uh, very happy I didn't get annexed. I was right on the borderline. I think the main part is I think something like that should be go to a boat, then somebody just telling us they're going to take over us. But I am happy we did not get annexed. Well, I'm really excited that we didn't get annexed. I didn't want our our property taxes to go up. I'd much rather stay the way it is now. Um, didn't realize that the city had the ability to uh, to make the annex happen through a judge's decision versus a vote. Uh, that was a little bit shocking. Um, I am all about progress and the growth of a city and expanding its territory. I am looking forward to taking advantage of the city services. I also noticed that Bridgetown was represented um, by local government, but um, folks like me were not, which is a little bit disappointing. That being said, there's a lot of folks in my street that uh, are on a fixed income because they're retired. And my hope is that the city of Olive Branch um, will either prorate them or slowly assimilate them to the new tax rate um, versus making it just ripping off the Band-Aid approach. I also uh, am expecting, even though uh, we have been taking advantage of some of the city services, that uh, there is a proration for those citizens that have been annexed until all services uh, that have been promised to us um, have been provided before our tax rates increased. You know, like I said, I, 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 all, I agree with progression. I know the city has to expand. I just hope it's measured and they take a, hum, a human approach to increasing taxes uh, to the folks who just got annexed. We are happy we are not annexed because we feel like we belong to Hernando. And My reaction is that is fantastic. Fantastic. We are so excited. We did not want to be annexed. Thank you, Judge Lynchard. Olive Branch already has a monopoly on our gas and water, and I felt like their attempt to take on more land or doing a land grab was in the only only parties that were going to benefit from that were the people that uh, would gain uh, increased income uh, unto themselves, and it wasn't for the betterment of the people. I, I think there needs to be a breakup of the, uh, the water and gas company. We should have an option between at least two or three, not just one. Uh, decisions and policymaking is happening behind closed doors. I don't see anything crossing my mailbox asking me if I'm in favor of uh, raising the cost of gas and water. 
uh, fees for people who are unfortunately didn't pay their bills on time, which is exorbitant. And I don't see what all the branch has done for me lately. Tell me what they've done to improve uh, my circumstances here in DeSoto County. Nothing. Hey, y'all. I got Don Hall here, mayoral candidate, and I had to get his reaction. Don, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, Zach. Happy to be here on my favorite podcast, OB Pod. Uh, so thank you for inviting me uh, tonight. And with the recent ruling by the judge, um, I'm very interested to see what the next steps will be. I did reach out to city officials to uh, find out what the next steps will be. And so still waiting to hear back. I know it's a 10-day time period to see if it'll be finalized. There's some potential that there may be some appeals. So really interested to see uh, what steps the city of Island Branch take uh, in reference to the annexation. However, I know that it's going to benefit the city because of the tax revenue being generated. Uh, one of the concerns I have is just making sure that it's an equal benefit for the citizens that are being annexed. And that equal benefit can come, uh, if not in form of city services, uh, other amenities. Don, I, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, letting us know and uh, look forward to having you on the show again soon. Zach, always a pleasure to spend time with you. Uh, anytime you invite me, I want, I, I'll be there. So thank you again for the invitation. Today we've got Ken Adams joining us again, and I just had to get his take. You bet. Thanks, Zach. It is certainly a pleasure to be back on uh, with you and your audience. Uh, the trial lasted roughly nine days at Chantry Court with Judge Percy Lencher presiding, and uh, I was able to sit through approximately four days, probably at four days of the trial, and uh, and I'm glad I did. I was able to see both sides of, uh, of the trial, to hear testimony from, from both sides. Uh, very high-quality attorneys uh, representing the city of Olive Branch as well as the city of Hernando, city of South Haven, and DeSoto County. Uh, uh, some real gunslingers, so to speak, in the annexation world. Uh, a couple of high-powered attorneys out of Jackson who specialize in, in this particular type case. Uh, they were very knowledgeable. And, and it was clear on the front end that uh, this uh, train had left the station, so to speak, a little over two years ago uh, by the current administration. And, and it was very clear that uh, it wasn't anything punitive toward the residents in the annexation area. It was something that Olive Branch made uh, their case that that they were, had become somewhat landlocked and had uh, less than 25% uh, of remaining land ability to grow in the current uh, city proper. And, and it was basically filling up and uh, they felt like they needed to grow. They, their department heads did a, an excellent job stating their commitments and uh, to the areas to be annexed and the things that they would give from a police, fire, and public service standpoint. Uh, uh, the city did a good job covering uh, the things they were already providing. Uh, and, of course, the other side of that uh, argument was that uh, the attorneys for those cities were quick to, were quick to point out that, uh, yes, Olive Branch was providing it, but it was for a fee. Uh, the homeowners were paying for those services, and uh, and that really drove the point home as well, that they were paying for what they got. It wasn't anything that was that was given to them. But, again, it, it wasn't meant to be, be punitive. Uh, it didn't appear. Uh, they wanted to grow, and uh, the court questioned them about uh, how they had covered previous annexation areas uh, in the past that had been annexed and had they provided services to the citizens that were annexed on a timely basis. And there was a total of approximately seven, eight attorneys that were involved in the matter. And again, Judge Lynchard, uh, a very astute judge, very highly trained in these matters, did a, did a great job. Those attorneys on the opposite side, they did a great job of showing that the homeowners were content. Uh, Lewisburg Fire Department uh, testified very well as far as their capability to serve uh, the area in the in the Lewisburg jurisdiction, so to speak. Bridgetown Fire Department did a great job as well, showing their commitment and their call-outs and those type of runs that they've made uh, during the time frame. So uh, it was really a, a very in-depth trial in the areas they wanted to annex, and uh, the court obviously agreed with that. Uh, the court uh, whittled it back. Um, it's an approximate, but I would say that uh, approximately 25% of what the city of Olive Branch wanted to add, annex, proposed annexation area that didn't get annexed, they were very pleased. And, and the ones that did get annexed, they some were pleased and some not so much. Uh, I think the ones that were very close to the uh, current boundary of Olive Branch realized that that was in, in the growth pattern and, and they felt like that uh, they probably were going to be annexed. Uh, 
It was a very in-depth 27-page ruling. It's uh, very lengthy, and it uh, it basically gives the Council of Olive Branch 10 days to provide an order, and basically in, in layman's terms, even for me, that basically means whether that they're going to accept that ruling or file an appeal. Olive Branch, based on Judge Lynch's ruling, received approximately 18.8 square miles of growth uh, to their current city boundaries, and that includes uh, 6,600 residents or citizens and 2,300, approximately 2,300 uh, houses uh, that were included in the area allowed to be annexed. And again, we'll just have to wait and see if it, if it continues or if the trial's over with at this point. Uh, and if it is over with, then uh, when it's accepted, the city would have to start providing uh, police and fire services immediately. Uh, they stated they are willing to do that. They have the resources to do that. Uh, but, of course, they would have to grow those departments uh, going forward to provide those services. And then other services, uh, the city would be allowed up to five years to provide those services, be it water, gas, sewer, et cetera, hookups uh, down through the area that is allowed to be annexed. And I certainly hope that helps the listening audience. And uh, I think that uh, at the end of the day, I hope that this is going to end well for everybody involved. cash evening zach how was your week brother i can't believe the week's already over honestly i I guess watching a lot of golf at the masters just kind of puts it on a little fast forward Uh, i'm happy you had time to watch the masters uh i've had nothing but uh high school baseball which believe it or not has been pretty dang exciting this week you tell me you're not streaming the masters on your phone while you're at an event um i have a family and a lot of stuff going on so no i have not believe it or not yes you can revoke my man card anytime you're ready i mean it's just the best event to just have going on in the background luckily there are situations where you get to watch the highlights instead of watching the entire thing that's what napping is called you wake up and then you see all the highlights that you missed yeah 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 well I tell you, it, it's been a pretty busy week, but you know, sadly, I had a, a death in the family just, <sighs> just yesterday, believe it or not, and so it was pretty tough. You know, it was my wife's side of the family, and uh, but you know, the communities rallied around us that knew her, and um, you know, the church has been really great with us, and you know, we're going to have the funeral and service tomorrow, and so it's uh, it's a part of life. She's in a she's in a better place, and so uh, I try to I choose to look forward as a um, as a positive instead of trying to be a negative and focus on it. It's weird to say, but that's the best way that you can look at it absolutely but anything else going on this week for you i I would say and i'm a little surprised that you didn't say this was part of the busy of the week prom season is actually out and about which is a weird feeling to see everyone getting all dressed up into the nines and go celebrate especially since they didn't have it last year weird fact center hill high school does not have a prom really believe it or not before i started working there um a parent group got together and asked if they could separate the prom from the school uh, to make it where it was parent-led instead of school-led so they could be have more of the decision-making processes and things. It's fine. Like, our, our community there is great with it. You know, it's not a problem. Um, and believe it or not, a lot of the kids in uh, the Olive Branch area, which is Center Hill, Olive Branch, Lewisburg, including DeSoto Central, we have a great system where kids from sco- our schools go to proms of the neighboring school or okay. things like that. So gives these kids an opportunity to get cultures of other schools. And so it's actually opened up a window that is really, really good that we didn't have when I was in high school. Well, and I wondered, is prom king and queen still a thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. All that's still the same. And yes, you're more than likely you're only going to win it if you're from the school cool. that's hosting it, of course. Um, but that, that's just the way it is. I mean, we have other things at our school that replace uh, those type of awards and stuff. And so it's, it's, it's a no brainer. It, it works out great for us, you know, but you know, something else I was reading all week was the DeSoto times printed the DeSoto's best, best, best of 2020 is something I've become a little familiar with giving a lot of shout outs on air to the businesses, the people that went out and won. And it's always a fun list to see. It is a fun list to see. Sometimes you look at it and go, oh, there might be some bias or might be this, but you know, I, th- there's a good bit of bias, but yeah. I'm okay with it. I am too. The, uh, the only thing I'm not happy about was, is that there was not a category for best podcast in which I would go ahead and give a vote 
for our partner podcast under the water tower of Hernando. That's where my vote would go. I mean, because, I mean, technically they are the premier podcast of the area right now. They cover the entire county, basically. And they do nothing but positive stuff like we're trying to do. So, hey, DeSoto's best for 2021 needs to have a podcast division. Absolutely, because they are putting out amazing content. We are working and doing our best to put out the same kind of content. But speaking of the Soto Times Best of 2020, I saw some of our sponsors in there. You're right, Cash. That was Team Couch of Birch Realty. They won DeSoto's Best of 2020. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Olive Branch or even DeSoto County area, I strongly recommend you check them out. Their website is teamcouch.com. They have over 60 years experience. They've done over 25,000 closings in the last several years. Uh, They just know the market. And that's something that you need right now because... Believe it or not, there's not many houses in the area, and these guys have the scoop on all of them. Later in this episode, we're going to interview um, Jamie Ross, who's also a realtor, and she gives a personal story about the housing and how things are, are struggle around here. And so when it comes to this kind of situation, you want the best. Yeah. And so I strongly suggest you reach out. Their phone number is 662-449-1700. Make sure you check them out at teamcouch.com. All right, let's get to our announcements. In Olive Branch, we did not have a primary vote like a lot of other cities did, but we did want to let you know who is going to be on the ballot in June for each side of the vote. When it comes to mayor, we have two candidates. On the Republican side, we are going to have Ken Adams, and on the Democratic side, we are going to have Don Hall. Both are friends and contributors to the podcast. As you heard earlier in the episode. Alderman at large is going to be Republican George Collins, and his Democratic competitor is going to be Vanessa Caswell. In Ward 1, we have Gil Earhart for the Republican side. And on the Democratic side, we have Michael Chandler. Again, both of those contributors to the podcast. In Ward 2, we have Pat Hamilton, who's Republican, versus Teresa Gillespie Isom on the Democratic side. In Ward 3, we have Joy Henderson on the Republican side versus the Democratic contender, Jarvis Cook, who will be joining us later this episode. Ward 4, we have David Wallace, who's a Republican, and he is running unopposed. For Ward 5, we have Jan Aldridge representing the Republican side versus Diane Black on the Democratic side. And in Ward 6, we have Dale Dickerson, who is also running unopposed in the Republican side, and he will be joining us in the next couple weeks. Man, do we have a strong lineup coming out for the city of Olive Branch. And speaking of the DeSoto Times 2020, it is a travesty that Michael Hatcher & Associates is only in the top three of Best Landscaping Company. Yeah, I don't I don't see this. I don't see it. But again, we're a little biased because they are an ad supporter and somebody who's been behind us since day one. But that's okay. You know yeah. what? They got mentioned. They're in the list. And so sometimes, you know, I won't kick good pub either way it goes. It is what top it is. Top three is still a heck of an achievement, especially for everything they do around the city. And you- Absolutely. And guys... If you want to work for this fantastic company, I strongly suggest you go check out their website. They have multiple positions available right now. Account manager, an estimator, project manager, foreman, irrigation tech, you name it. They just recently hired several students at our school. They're doing a lot of stuff right now. It is a great place to work. They hire for life. They have benefits. They have, they have great hourly rates, uh, salary rates, whatever it is you're looking for. I'm willing to bet if you're looking for a new career or want to just change your career, this is where you need to go. Go and call Gabby and mention OB Pod, and that is at 662-755-3207. To continue talking about annexation, we just want to give you some bullet points. Under the current proposal, Olive Branch is going to be adding 18.8 square miles. Yes, this is a decent little area. Not the 50-something miles they wanted, but it's a large area. The two spots that they are taking under the new map, by the way, we will have the map on our show notes as well as it'll be on a Facebook page if you want to know it, and it's interactive. There were two main areas that were going to be added under this proposal. The first one is a small area just southwest of the current Olive Branch city limits. This is the area that has College Road, Bridgeforth Road, uh, Dunn Lane, the north half of Craft Road. Some key subdivisions in this area is Spring Place, as well as Summers Creek subdivision, is a place I used to live. I know a lot of the services are already provided there, including water, gas, and things, so it's not a surprising one. On the northeast corner of the county is the other area that was proposed under annexation, and this is the Center Hill area, and this the key roads are Center Hill Road, DeSoto Road, Goodman Road, and the big subdivisions over there that are getting clipped are Fox Creek subdivision and Brayborn subdivision. With all of those things being added, that is 660 new residents and 2,300 households. 
Yes. Now, remember, this is not over yet. This was what the judge has sent back. The city has the right to appeal, as well as other cities do, as well as any private citizen of the area has a right to appeal. Now, for a private citizen to do it, they will have to hire their own attorney. There is a time for that, and we'll be keeping an ear out. We have not heard anything confirmed yet of any appeals, but if we do, we will let you know through our social media as well as our podcast Gen Lab is going to be expanding their existing operations by adding a 250,000 square foot building across from their previous location at 10905 Ridgeway Industrial Drive. The current facility is only 90,000 square feet. They are hoping to add 100 jobs with new expansion once it's complete. The other big thing that happened this week was an alderman meeting. Unfortunately, not too much happened during it because most of the work got pushed to the May 4th meeting. There was one big ticket item that happened at the very beginning of the meeting, though, and that was Mayor Scott Phillips declaring the month of April Child Abuse Prevention Month. And a lot of this had to do with the work that is happening over at Healing Hearts Child Advocacy Center. A lot of this is getting done because of their leader, Darlene Cunningham. So we want to give her a huge shout out for all of the hard work that she has been putting on. After they got done pushing everything to the May 4th meeting, they went into an executive session to discuss personnel matters, presumably for the upcoming annexation. If y'all not happy about the annexation and you want to get out of town quick and you have a house that maybe has a little work or just something you just don't want to fool with, you might want to check out iBuyDeSoto.com. It is a wonderful company ran by Abby and Spence Rodman, and they buy and sell houses that maybe need a little extra attention that you just don't want to fool with. And maybe it's a house that you acquired through a death or a relative or whatever the situation may be, and it's something you want to get cash fast, um, get it done, get it quick, don't want to have to go through the process of a lot of paperwork, realtors, different things. They are the one to check out. Please go check out their website at iBuyDeSoto.com. It has all the connections, all the communication things you need, all the services they offer, and they will do a great job, professional, local, community-ran business. This Saturday, April the 17th, DeSoto County is having a spring cleanup day. The Board of Supervisors and Mayors of DeSoto County are encouraging all of their citizens to take part in the county-wide cleanup day that will be taking place from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Fear not, as you can still register to receive a cleanup kit. If you've already registered, you can go ahead and start picking up your spring cleaning kit today, Monday, April the 12th, all the way through Friday, April the 16th. And you will be able to pick those up at the DeSoto County Administration Building located at 365 Locher Street in Hernando. Guys, the kind of stuff you can dump are like furniture, mattresses, lumber, carpet, bricks, limbs, leaves. Even metal and plastic toys, fencing, rubbish, things of those natures. This is not the one where you can take hazardous materials such as electronics, paints, chemicals, and things of that nature. Now, there are two locations of note in the Olive Branch area you need to be looking for. One is at Lewisburg Primary, which is at 1707 Craft Road. And the other one is at Fairhaven Fire Department, which is at 13701 Center Hill Road across the street from Center Hill Elementary. Now, guys, when you get done cleaning up all your stuff at your house and you have noticed that your floors and your rooms are not where they want to be when it comes to be clean, I highly suggest you check out our next advertiser, and that is DeSoto Cleaning. DeSoto Cleaning is a premier service here in DeSoto. County and surrounding areas. They are a company that specializes in tile and grout, hardwood, and even carpet steam cleaning. They do everything from disaster restoration up to the cleanup to rebuild. Have over 17 years of experience, and guess what? If you mention OB Pod, you get 15% off of your bill. As well as if you're an educator, first responder, a military service, you also get 20% discount for that. Guys, contact Brian today at DeSoto Cleaning, and that is at 662-710-2698, or check out his Facebook page under DeSoto Cleaning. Guys, last week we mentioned that there was a murder in Olive Branch, and there was three men have been arrested and charged with capital murder. We wanted to let you know that a fourth suspect has been arrested as well as is charged with capital murder, and we will keep you up to date with more information as it comes. Now, this kind of wraps up our announcement for today, but we have a terrific show ahead. We get to speak with Jarvis Cook, who is running for Alderman in Olive Branch, as well as we have a movie review, a cool Did You Know segment, as well as sports. So make sure you stay tuned. Do you think you're paying too much for insurance or you're tired of not actually getting an agent when you call? I think it might be time to switch to the home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Josh McIntyre is our local agent and supports our schools, our local businesses, community, and even takes care of all our insurance needs. That's home, life, and auto. Give them a call today, 662-893-5250. 
or visit him at his office at 6901 Cockrum Road, which is Highway 305. In this week's Did You Know, Mississippi has one of the biggest secrets hidden beneath the waters of the Gulf of Mexico, and it's called the Isle of Caprice. Dubbed the Monte Carlo of the South, the island included a popular luxury resort which attracted people from near and far, but its success didn't last long. Sadly, after just a few short years, the Gulf overtook the island and the resort, concealing it yet again. Most Mississippi residents are familiar with the Gulf Coast Barrier Islands. However, many do not know that there used to be another barrier island, Dog Key Island. Dog Key Island first appeared on the map in 1847. Not long after, in 1859, it disappeared. Throughout the decades, the island has periodically resurfaced, only to disappear again. As of today, it is located just a few feet under the water's surface. In the 1920s, three Biloxi entrepreneurs bought Dog Key Island and they changed the name to Caprice and set out to transform it into a nationally known island getaway. The island's location made it perfect choice for a new luxury resort. At the time, alcohol was illegal because of prohibition. However, since the island was far enough offshore, alcohol could be legally served. At three and a half miles wide and totaling 487 acres, the island had lots of space to build on. Once complete, the Isle of Caprice featured luxury accommodations, a cafe, a casino, dance hall, and plenty of recreational opportunities. On May 30, 1926, the Isle of Caprice held its grand opening. People from all across the country flocked to the new resort. While in operation, the University of California allowed its Kappa Beta sorority to vacation there, and in 1931, the resort hosted one of its most notable guests, the famous actress Ethel Barrymore. The island paradise was open for the entire summer, offering a slew of fun for people of all ages. Music, dancing, surf bathing, bathhouses and showers, boating, refreshments, games, and fishing were just a few things the resort offered. Each day, four excursion boats traveled back and forth between Biloxi and the Isle of Caprice Resort, picking up and dropping off island goers. The boat ride took about 90 minutes and cost 75 cents per passenger. The boats did more than transport people to the island, though. Several years after opening, the resort opened boat sightseeing trips to the barrier islands, nearby rivers, bays, and fisheries. Swimming was one of the most popular ways guests stayed entertained, but it was far from the only option. Jazz bands were always on hand to provide live musical entertainment in the dance hall. There was a casino which offered roulette, dice, and other games, and on-site dining where cocktails were always on the menu. In addition to offering a variety of amenities, the resort hosted several promotional events, including an annual swim marathon. Swimmers from across the country came to the island to compete in the marathon. Held for the first time in 1927, marathon participants had to swim from a pier in Biloxi all the way to the Isle of Caprice. The winner of the race was a 19-year-old from Memphis, Tennessee, who completed the marathon in 5 hours and 56 minutes. Unfortunately, the success of the Isle of Caprice was short-lived. The resort's demise was the result of several factors, including seasonal storms, which eroded the eastern tip of the island, and that in addition to a hurricane, which split the island in two. The Great Depression was also partly to blame for the resort's closure. But it wasn't just Mother Nature that put an end to the Isle of Caprice. In 1931, a group of men from New Orleans were camping on the island, and the resort's main building caught fire. The fire quickly spread to the other buildings. By 1932, the island once again completely submerged beneath the waters of the Gulf. The only sign of its existence was an artesian water pipe, which protruded out of the surface of the water. For years, local fishermen would stop by the pipe to get a swig of water, but eventually, like the island, the pipe was lost to the Gulf of Mexico. The sunken island resort is out of sight, but not out of mind. The heirs of the original owners still pay property taxes on the submerged island just in case. It does resurface one day. Maybe one day we'll get the experience to resort for ourselves. Until then, we'll just have to make do with the islands we have now. Is planning your summer getaway becoming too much of a hassle? Then reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher of Magical Destinations. Whether it's a trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or a tropical getaway, these ladies can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destination is locally owned in Hernando, so give them a call today at 662-469-6304, or you can find them on Facebook or Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. 
Guys and gals, I'm pretty excited. We have a new guest to the show today. That is Miss Jamie Ross. She is a local realtor as well as a community organizer, uh, activist, however you want to put it, who runs a Facebook group called for the Lewisburg community, as well as Fight for DeSoto. And she is joining us today to give her two thoughts on annexation. As any guest, we always like to meet the person first who lives among us. So Jamie, I really appreciate you joining us. Can you uh, let us know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, I uh, live out here in DeSoto County, have lived down here for about 16 years. Absolutely love it. Moved from Memphis. I am a realtor by trade. That's what I do every day. And I've been doing that for four years. I love it. It's a great community to live in. And uh, I work for Coldwell Banker. That's what I'm a real estate agent for. Um, super hot, crazy market right now. I just spent the weekend kind of getting one of my houses that I had listed last week under contract and it was pretty insane. It was a little nice little house over by Northwest Community College, three bedrooms, two bath, two car garage, listed for 150,000 and we knew it was going to be popular, but we didn't quite realize how popular. We put it on the market on Friday about 12 uh, to start showings and from Friday noon to Two o'clock today, we had 82 showings scheduled. Oh, my Lord. Um, yeah. Now, we cut off showings yesterday evening after we had already received 45 offers on the house. <laughs> That's incredible. Yes. Kind of goes to show the demand for housing here in DeSoto County. That It's a great place to live. You know, a lot of people are moving here for work. A lot of people are choosing to make this their place where they buy their first home, their move-up home, their downsize home, you know, whatever. Sounds like it. Well, tell us about this community group for Lewisburg that is so popular. You know, I know Hernando has a group called Hernando Happenings, but uh, Lewisburg has this one, and we're members of it. And I got to tell you, it is so well-ran, and the information is good, and people are respective, and it's a it's a great little situation. How did this come about? Can you give us more information? It started uh, probably about um, maybe five or six years ago. I can't even remember when I started this group. There was an investment company that was coming in, and they wanted to build a hotel next to our school, next to Lewisburg School. I, I live down here in the Lewisburg School District, and they wanted to build a hotel down here. And, um, you know, I didn't think it was a great place for it because I know eventually that, you know, everything's going to get built up out that way. But, you know, four or five years ago, we 69 wasn't even there yet and they were coming in and talking about putting this big hotel right next to our school and we thought that's just not we don't want that right now and so several of us got together we ended up going to you know supervisor meeting planning commission meetings we met with the developer and we ended up just kind of you know explaining our reasoning behind it and why we didn't think it was the right timing and they withdrew their application to do it and in the meantime that event um, is what led me to start the group. More so not to be just another group, which, I mean, like you mentioned, Hernando Happenings is a fantastic page. I'm a member of it as well. Um, Lewisburg group started a little bit before that one. And we were pretty, you know, um, we had some rules, which was no selling. And, you know, we wanted people who lived in the community. And, you know, we didn't just open it up to people in Memphis and everywhere around. We were trying to keep it very community-centric because we were trying to deal with growth and the needs of the community and identify issues and, you know, solve community problems and help each other and things like that. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Okay. So I think this has been the place that was a springboard for everybody's opinion when it came to annexation. So yeah. give us an update on what you, uh, well, your opinion and an update on annexation itself from you. Yeah, well, that annexation, that started a, a little over two years ago. It was right before Thanksgiving, and I happened to stumble across a, I think it was something on the um, All the Branches website, I found it, article or the ordinance that was signed by the Board of Aldermen. And I thought, my goodness, you know, they're fixing to try to annex pretty much everything left in DeSoto County. We're not even going to have a county left. And how do we not know about this? Like, this was just took us by surprise. And so I shared it out to the group and said, I don't know if anybody else has seen this two days before Thanksgiving, but I just found this. And so, of course, everybody was pretty shocked and, you know, everybody just said, I don't want to be part of Olive Branch. I don't want to be annexed. We want to live, live in the county. I ended up organizing a meeting, and I think the first meeting we had, we had it at New Prospect Church. And we had, I think, 75 people showed up like two days before Thanksgiving. 
Wow. And we met and just kind of talked. We had, you know, board of supervisors there. We had uh, waste management people there. We had road department people there. We had HOA presidents there. We had landowners there, just regular homeowners, some business owners. We did just a really good mix of people that showed up to just kind of talk about what was about to happen and what was our opinion and was there any reasons why we should be annexed or was there, you know, no positive aspect of it for us? Well, we thought it through pretty thoroughly and we decided that for our group as a whole here in the Lewisburg area, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to become part of all a branch, you know, file a lawsuit to stop the annexation. And so we got pretty far into it. We had a trial about, I guess it was two weeks ago now that it's been over, but it, the trial lasted nine days. It was a good trial. I, I went to almost every single day of it, and it was, you know, eight to nine hours. Some days it was 12 hours in the courtroom. I, I wasn't there 12 hours a day, but I was there a lot. You know, we had some people from the community show up, different homeowners, things like that. And But I got to listen to the, you know, the, both sides of the annexation fight. Um, and I was pretty familiar with the rules regarding annexation because for two years we had kind of immersed ourselves in this. We were obviously of, of the opinion that we just didn't think that Olive Branch needed to annex us because they really weren't going to meet any needs for us. That was our, that was really what we were, what we were saying, you know, to, for Olive Branch, the municipality to come in and absorb us and pull us into the city increases our taxes. And it wasn't all about just saying we don't want to pay taxes in Olive Branch. It was more about saying the needs that you're saying you're going to provide us or the needs you're going to meet are already being met one way or the other. We're already being serviced, you know, by the county, by the sheriff's department, by volunteer fire departments, Lewisburg Fire, Lewisburg Water is out here. We just didn't feel like we we're going to get any value for the money that we were fixing to spend on tax increase. So it makes total sense. Well, it's my understanding is that was his decision, but it's technically not over. I mean, there is an appeal process. There is. I don't know if there's going to be any appeals filed. As far as I know right now, I not don't know that there will be. The Olive Branch could have something up their sleeve that we don't know about. Um, uh, the county could have something up their sleeve that we... I know as far as, you know, my group, we're, we're not going to do it. We've talked about it. Like, do we want to do anything about this? But I don't... We are not. You know, we're just going to kind of like figure out a way to move forward. Um, Olive Branch is getting, you know, they're going to, it's They're going to have a new mayor and, and none of this was against the, the mayor that was in place before. I just think it's a, it is a new day coming in Olive Branch and they're, they're going to experience some change and, you know, di different leadership. And hopefully over the next five to 10 years, they'll have a lot of leadership changes where they'll bring in new innovative ideas and new growth and new opportunity to really um, brand the city into something that it, you know, probably was developing into years ago and somehow they got off track. And I definitely don't, don't, I do not blame anything that's going on in the city on current leadership that's there because I don't think change happens overnight. I think that it's just where they ended up and it takes a lot to make change. And so change probably won't happen or be very visible for probably 10 years in the city. But now that I'm a part of the city, hopefully I can be a part of, you know, change and making that community better as well. Absolutely. Well, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, if, when this does become final, if it, the way it's depicted and you will now you will have a voice as a vote. I agree. Well, you know, one thing that this has brought up that we we definitely those of us that were intimately involved in this annexation knew and seen from the very beginning. But our Mississippi laws need to be changed. Um and people have experiences in rural Mississippi all over the state, but the, our legislative body has not recognized the need for change, which is that a municipality can just file an ordinance, pull in county areas and pull it into the city boundaries. And as long as there's nobody that objects to it, then it can just, it can go through. And just similar to what just happened here in DeSoto County, like me as an individual taxpaying citizen that lives here i have no voice I, I cannot go to the polls and say no i don't want to be annexed i have no choice in anything and so that's something that we also tried to change which was having some bills introduced through legislation over the last two years and of course they never made it even you know never never voted on and so 
lot of people in rural Mississippi all around the state want to see that change, but the municipalities do not want to see it change. So who knows if that will ever happen, but that's somewhere I would love to see Mississippi make some changes on. Absolutely. And I think the consistency here is what I would say is that, you know, what you're doing with your group and with your community um, through social media and other forms of communication, this this kind of fight is going to grow. And mm-hmm. as you said, it doesn't, it takes time for change, but I mm-hmm. do see a future where the elected politicians of the area, as well as other places will be, be part of their platform to move forward is to change that kind of legislation to make it where mm-hmm. people have more of a voice. And I, I hope that that's something that happens in the very near future. And I think, I think it will with what you're doing and what your group is doing. Thank um, you. And so I think from OB Pod and the people who listen, you know, that's that's appreciated. Uh, you know, as a podcast that covers all the branch and the surrounding areas, the a lot of people in the city uh, might have a different opinion on this and think that it's mm-hmm. a good thing that they're expanding and increasing tax base and that this could lean to uh, better things for people who live in the city or amenities for people who live around it to enjoy that are in the city and things of that nature. So it's always a sword that cuts both ways. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but I can't Mm -hmm. thank you enough for all the information you've given and your voice and your leadership in this group. I think it's phenomenal. And I think that, uh, moving forward, it's something that we'll, we'll lean on and, uh, look for, for information and, uh, listen to your community members as well as ours. And, uh, if we can help in a, in a matter, a cause, a fight, whatever it is, um, that we can all work together. And I think that's what the future needs. Yes, absolutely. Jamie, again, thank you again for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, hope we can have you on the show again soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Are you tired of an unimpressive lawn or need some help from a local professional to get your yard the way you want it? Look no further than Master Lawn for your weed control and fertilizing needs. Master Lawn has been serving the Olive Branch community and surrounding areas for over 25 years and is ready to add you to their long list of satisfied customers. Contact them today for a free quote through their website, www.masterlawninc.com or call 901-250-0873. We're here with Jarvis Cook, who is running for Alderman of Ward 3. How are you doing today, Jarvis? Cass, I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Oh, I'm enjoying the best day ever. We were just talking a little bit before we started this recording about the weather, and I cannot wait to get back outside. How about yourself? I, I can't wait either. I can't wait to get out and enjoy this beautiful spring weather. Yes, I am right there with you. So I don't want to take up too much of your time, and I kind of want to dive right into this. What is your background of being a Mississippian, the Olive Branch area? Well, my background, I've had the pleasure of growing up right here in the city of Olive Branch. My family actually relocated here from Georgia in 1999. And so I just had the opportunity to grow up here. I've seen Olive Branch when we actually moved here. The Olive Branch that we know today was not that Olive Branch in 99. And I believe we relocated right before the growth spurt just really hit. And so I, I've had the privilege, as I said, to grow up here. I attended Olive Branch High School, uh, graduated from there, went to Northeast in Boonville, Mississippi. And Ooh, to- another Northeast <laughs> alum? Yes, another Northeast alum. I love my stay down, as we call it, Boom Vegas. Yep. Uh, uh had a nice <laughs> did you stay in Whitehall as well? I did. I stayed in Whitehall. I did. Oh man, like that little back room. We uh made it raise boom boom room and just had the nice yes, little hangout back yes. there. Lots and lots <laughs> of members there. And after I left Northeast, I went to uh the University of Mississippi. We know it's old miss. Yes, sir. So I, I went there and, and I'm currently Further my studies now, I'm almost completing my master's in human resource and leadership. Uh, so that's pretty much a, uh, my educational background. Been very active uh, working in the community as, as well as with my uh, having a strong background in customer service and human work, human resources. That has really afforded me the opportunity to build relationships with people from diverse backgrounds and just contribute to their lives in meaningful ways. I'm also a licensed minister, so I always look for opportunities to serve my community and just to serve my fellow man. I volunteer with various organizations that give back to the community. I'm also a member of 
the Phi Beta Sigma fraternity, and we, our chapter is the Pi Alpha Sigma chapter, and we serve as DeSoto County. I serve as the vice president for our fraternity. Uh, when the pandemic first appeared last year, you know, I was one of the ones before some of the other organizations took the lead. I teamed up with others, and we distributed fuel boxes to our seniors and those that were in in desperate need. And also, I have a nonprofit organization called Matters of the Heart. We do a lot of community work. This past December, I had the opportunity to to bless 14 children and their parents and give them a wonderful Christmas. You know that 2020 was a very hard and trying year for me. So whatever I can do to make someone else's life better, uh, I try to do it. So just a little bit of my background. Well, and, and that is a very impressive background, I must say. And congratulations on going for a master's especially in human resources. I know how difficult that is. Is that something I looked into doing not too long ago? I love knowing that you're part of a fraternity. You've been in the area. So I'm sure you remember when Church Road didn't even go all the way down to where it is now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember there was no no such thing as Highway 30. (laughs) No, I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Like he said, because I moved down here in around 95, 96, when you said the olive branch you moved to is not the same olive branch you're in now. The complete truth. And it's funny because we're talking about this during the time of an annexation. Yes. They were pushing for even more than what they got. And I still think 18 square miles is quite a bit. Well, you know, my thoughts on annexation, of course, you know, I support efforts for growth. And, you know, I know that the city it has grown and will continue to grow. But my only thing with annexation is that we should let's take it, take a look at what we currently have now. And before I believe before we take on more as a city, you know, we need to make sure that we fix and maintain what we currently have, because there are many areas currently on the Olive Branch that needs improvement and needs attention. So before we take on more, let's address the current issues. I know that we're going to grow and, and we want to desire to grow. You know, I want to make sure that we're handling what we already have. I know annexation is a very hot topic right now. And, you know, a lot of citizens are. Uh, feel strongly or some are very opposed to it. But my thing is that we as citizens should be included in the decision as it relates to annexation, that we should be a part of that process. We need to take all of that into consideration uh, when we're looking at annexation. Hopefully good things will come out of it, but I, I want us to just you know, be careful when we make certain decisions and, and make sure that we are able to maintain what we already have. No, I'm right with, there with you. I mean, we have a wonderful park in Olive Branch Park, but it still does need a little bit more maintenance. You can fix the oh, tracks yes. and other things along with it. The soccer fields are wonderful, but the limited amount of use that we're able to get out of them, I think, is something that we could expand on, especially with a lot of the open fields and all the trees behind it, opening up some trails, some biking lanes yes, is something that we yes. can focus on necessarily instead of expanding. Not that it's bad. I, I like where you're saying, let's work on what we have right now before we move on to something else. Yes, absolutely. And then you were talking a lot about your, and I, we spoke briefly on your fraternity being the vice president and helping out during this pandemic and wanting to make people's lives a little bit easier and better. Is that some of the motivation you have for wanting to run for alderman? My desire and my goal in running for autumn is to restore the voice back toward three. I'm about people. I'm not about politics, but I'm about people. Mm-hmm. And one of my main messages in running has been to be a representative for all people. And that's truly what I want to do to people elect officers or officials to represent them. And so we must make sure that we're being the best representation uh, that there is. And so I, I just, to create a better atmosphere, a better olive branch, and especially in the ward, because there are certain areas that don't get the same attention, but we have to make sure that we create a fair and equal society for all. No, I think that's a wonderful motivation. And I think you are on the right path, because as we've talked to a lot of the candidates, it's very important that we are electing a person. Right. Got to be adaptable. And from everything that I've heard from you and read up on you, that's exactly what you are. 
You're going to be able to pivot. You're going to be able to do what's necessary for the people to make sure that we're having the best lives possible. Exactly. And, and, and that's what I want. I, that's what I want people to see in me as a candidate. But look at the person. Look at their values. Look at the work that they've done. Look and see what they truly are. I want people to see me for who I am as a person. And as I just stated, my campaign is focused on people, not politics. And, you know, it's important that we must find a common ground in order to accomplish anything. We have to learn how to work together and, and just be advocates for change and this positive change and, and be able to coexist together. As, as human beings. So uh, my, my motivation is simply to be for the people, to help people in any way that I can. That's a wonderful motivation, and I don't think anyone's going to have a better one than that. Now, knowing that you're trying to make lives better for everyone, what kind of vision do you have for Ward 3 and Olive Branch? My vision uh, for Ward 3 is and as well as Olive Branch, is to see a unified Olive Branch. Olive Branch, as we have stated, has grown and is a diverse uh, area, or becoming a diverse area. So mm -hmm. it's important that we have a government or a city government that reflects uh, the city. And so I want to promote unification. I want to promote infrastructure improvements because as i stated there are certain neighborhoods in my ward that has simply been forgotten that should not be so you know i want to create plans to let's clean up these neighborhoods let's improve uh these areas uh especially in war three has a a night war three is a very nice area and we want to keep it that way and you know i, I want to make sure that every neighborhood in war three receive the support that it needs. And, and, and my thing is, I want to be in relationships, mm -hmm. not just when it's election time, because sometimes you only see your politicians during election time, but I want to get in the neighborhoods so that the neighbors, so that the those that reside in those communities, they know their alderman. When they see me, they know that that's my alderman, that they're able to approach me, that they're able to engage in conversation with me, that when they need me, they can call on me and know that I'm going to come through for them and hear their concerns and include them in what's going on in the city because a lot of citizens are not included in what's going on in the city and that should not be. So that's one thing that I'm promoting is transparency we need that citizens shall always be in the know and what's going on it's funny that you bring up transparency and wanting to include the citizens and actually not just being around during election time but being around in your area the entire time that you're a running but while in office so we know who you are makes it a little bit easier to be transparent because one of the things that got us to want to start this was the fact that well, the only way to find out about an alderman meeting right now is to go to an alderman meeting. It's not right. being put on Facebook or YouTube or any of those. It's not being recorded. A transcript isn't being put out of everything that was talked about. So it just makes it a little bit more difficult being open to pushing towards a more recorded, interactive alderman meetings, something that you're open to. Absolutely, but I will most certainly make the recommendation that that's done, and we have a new mayor come June 8th. A new mayor will be elected, whoever that may be. Very true, and I think we've got I two fantastic candidates that we've yes, interviewed. Yes, we have some. I, you know, we have some fantastic candidates on both sides, and I, I'm just, you know, I'm just putting that out there. Both candidates, both Don Hall and Ken Adams, great, great guys, great guys. So the citizens of Olive Branch have a decision to make. And I believe that there's, there needs to be a change in the guards. We're going to have a change in leadership for mayor. And, hey, we need to have a change in the guards. And that's something I want to push for is that we have a transparent government because it's something that you live when you live in a neighborhood and you have absolutely you know, nothing about what's going on just right next door to you. You, know, you don't know that there's a new development or subdivision being put up 
just a few feet away from your subdivision, and you know that should not be. So I'm definitely pushing, and we'll make that recommendation to the next mayor. Hey, let's open these meetings up because, again, we're still navigating through a pandemic. Some people don't feel comfortable gathering in certain uh formats or whatever so let's make sure that we have an opportunity we present opportunities for everyone to participate i don't see anything wrong with uh having our board meeting stream live you know i think that would be a excellent tool and we have a lot of technology out there that we need to utilize i'm right there with you and then there's other avenues you seem like a very social media tech savvy person and there's ways to just be like as you said if a neighborhood's popping up let the citizens know on twitter on facebook communication yes get communication out to them let them know say hey this is this is what's being presented you know and allow feedback it's just it's so much technology like i said out there that we can keep everyone in the know you know, it, it can be better than what it is now as in terms of communication to what's going on within the city. I could not agree with you more. Well, Jarvis, I don't think we have anything else that we want to talk about right now. We do want to bring you back a little bit closer to election time if that's something that you're open to. Absolutely. I will look forward to coming back and sharing. Wonderful. Well, we look forward to that. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we get off? Well, I just want, uh, for all the listeners that want to know more about me, they can visit my website, and that's jcookforalderman.com. I'm also on Facebook, and they can just put at jacookforalderman. I'm also on Instagram, at cookforalderman. I'm on Twitter, at cookforalderman. And for the old schoolers, if they want to shoot me an email, I still utilize email, so that's jcookforalderman at gmail.com. And, of course, I can be reached by phone at 662-420-8537. And just want to remind everybody to vote on June 8th. But most of all, vote Cook War 3 on June 8th. Yes, sir. We will have all of those links in our show notes. And that is a brave man putting his phone number out there to all of you. So that speaks <laughs> yes, on I transparency. Want I want to be approachable. Hey, actions are always louder than words. And those actions right there are speaking louder than anything else you could have said on this podcast. Well, thank you, Cash. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, and we look forward to talking to you soon. All right. You have a great one. All right. You too. This week in Movie Review, we're going to talk about King Kong versus Godzilla. I know it wasn't a verse movie, but in my mind leading up to it, it was 100%. Oh, well, it should have had that in the title. Verse. Yeah. Should have, no doubt. I mean, when you have 30 minutes leading up to the first fight saying two alphas cannot exist in the same area, it's, it's a versus movie. It, All right? it, There's it, no way around it. And if you watch the movie, it's a versus movie. So, I mean, it is, is, is what it is. But first, I do want to say... Thank you to Andy and Malco Theaters. It was great getting to go back to the movie How theater. How good did it feel? Like Dude. getting well, and now since it's limited seating, you get to go out, pick your seat. You're like, ooh, I don't have to be around anybody. You feel a little special. You know, it's almost like you're ordering on the app or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's where it's at, and they've improved their food so well. You know, and they're doing so many cool things over there. So again, they have daily specials for all of their drinks that are going on for those of you who are over 21 and like to enjoy an adult beverage. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, and they're not even advertising. We feel like we're advertising for them. But yeah. anyway, uh, let's get to the movie, man. Look, I went into this movie with expectations of I want to have fun. I'm not going into the movie with expectations of I'm expecting an Academy Award for anyone in the movie. No. I, okay, so everybody needs to keep their expectations real. My overall opinion first is is that it was a fun movie. That's the best way to describe it. Fun, highly entertaining, probably a little long, but to see it in theater, well worth very well worth it. If you have not gone to the theater and you used to be a big theater goer, this one is worth going to. The sound, the visuals, that feel, that smell of popcorn, the whole nine yards, this is the experience you want. The movie basically gives you no time to wait. They go right into learning about Kong, right about Zilla. They give you great action. The downside of the movie, in my opinion, is the human element, believe it or not. The, it's almost no reason to even have uh, Millie or her characters or a few of the other... Uh, any of them. Like, to me, there really is no reason to have almost any human character in this movie. It, it's almost like the only reason they were in the movie was just to be narrators, a visual narrator yeah. for 
Kong versus Zilla and what was going on in the movie. I mean, of course, you know, I'm not going to give away the ending or anything like that, but there is a surprise third. And so that changes the dynamic of the movie. And, but it is kind of foreseeable. And if you're one of those people who check social media a lot and see you, already thing, know, you know what's going down or you've heard it from somebody. But you know, I can tell you this, the action sequences are really good. They are sped up. It's not the typical slow-mo that you no. get a lot of stuff, <laughs> which is why I was very concerned about. Because, you know, when you think about big monster movies, you see them, the, the slow-mo effect. They should have CGI back then. And so, you know, you have old models trying to almost you see the strings happening, moving the giant paw yeah. coming down. None of that. True CGI. It is fast paced. It is explosive. And it just has you on the edge of your seat. Like, yeah, it, you're seeing Kong get flung around like it's nothing. And my heart breaks. Yeah. My, my poor boy out there just getting destroyed. You know, you kept talking about all these bets before the match and everything else. And so, if you are a consistent lis- a listener, uh, cash lost. Oh, <clears> it, sorry. It, it was a slaughter. <laughs> like, as soon as I saw Godzilla swimming in the water from the trailer, I was just like, yeah, this is this is going to get ugly quick. <laughs> but there is some redemption, so there we'll is. give them that. So, it, it is what it is. I would give the movie a 7 out of 10 for fun, good special effects, nostalgic. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to say you're higher. Like, I mean, I'm probably like a... Six. I, I don't regret it at all. It's just the storyline is a little too long for me with everything that they added, but I don't regret seeing it, and I'll happily go see it again. Absolutely. Uh, the only thing I would say to improve CGI-wise, when you do go watch it, is, is that when you meet... Um, the third character or towards the end. This is a situation where if you're a fan of one of my other favorite movies, which is Pacific Rim, which deals with large robots and fighting monsters like that, the visual effects of that movie, uh, in my opinion, blow this one away. But that's why I wish this one kind of was up to that par, which I probably would have gave it an eight or maybe even a nine. Uh, That's fair. It is what it is. Again, I highly suggest going to watch it. It's a great movie to watch, even with kids. Especially with kids. Get them back in the action of, oh my goodness, I need to see things in movie theaters. This week in sports, we're going to have several scores from uh, softball and baseball. Cash, start us off. We're going to start off with the ladies. We have Center Hill Softball, who took on Lake Cormorant on Tuesday and won 15-2. They then played South Panola on Thursday and unfortunately were not able to keep that winning energy and lost 1-12. Then we have Center Hill Baseball. They played on Tuesday as well against Lake Cormorant, and they won 6-0. to You know, the Cash, let me stop you there. There is a game we didn't you didn't mention, and this was last Saturday. Now, last Saturday was Easter holiday, mm-hmm. and this was the end of the series with Saltillo. Okay. And I, I've got to mention this because I was there, and it, it, I have you a – got a little pride I got, on I it. got a little pride, and there's a little going on. I was the game administrator that night. Saltillo is a really good ball club, and they came in with a already leading the series 2-0 – they came to the game cocky, ready to play. They're looking at getting that sweep, the whole nine yards. As any team. As they should. I mean, you want a little bit should. of rivalry. I, I'm you want not some blaming passion that at all. The, the thing that was disappointing to me was is that several parents and several fans came in with brooms and dustpans and things it. that. You know, and, and you know what? I, I'm going to let it ride. To yeah. me, I as a competitor, I say that's motivation. 100%. You, know like, I mean? you think you're going to come into my house and sweep me? No. So, luckily – I was very pleased to see our team step up. They looked at that stuff and saw what I saw and said, oh, no, no, you didn't. And they made it to a 2-2 game all the way into the seventh and extended it to the ninth. And on a nice hit over the left field, third baseman, we were able to get the next score and win 3-2. to two, And we gladly sent all those parents and their brooms packing. Now, we did ask a few of them if they didn't mind sweeping up some of those seeds <laughs> and everything else. They didn't go over so well, so I had to tell my parents to calm that down. It was a great day for baseball. It was a beautiful day out there. It was a good way to end the series, to build some confidence. And I think that rolled over into the game you just mentioned when they played Lake Comrade. They won 6-0. It was it was. It was handily handled, but I got to tell you, the next game, we went to Lake Comrade, and we looked like we had never played baseball before, and it was pretty rough. I mean, that game ended in the sixth inning, and we were losing by five then. Ooh. You know, that's that's a situation when you have a young team, a new coach going in there right now. You know, you have to learn the confidence. You have to learn how to win. You have to learn how to maintain leads, things of that nature. Very pleased to see on Saturday, which was yesterday, they came back. They took command of the game and won big yesterday, and they won the series, and it looks like they've clinched a playoff spot. Good for them. Hey, sometimes it's just hard to maintain that energy. You have a lot put into that Saturday game, then you come in, have a nice, easy game on Tuesday, 
sometimes it's just hard to keep it up three in a row. It was. I mean, it really, really is. And see, like yesterday, things were just kind of working out just right. The wind was blowing really hard yesterday for the ball games. One of our pitchers, Jake Scott, and I'm giving him a name drop here, hit a hit a two run homer over the right field. Uh, it just kept sailing because the wind was just, it was like, you know, it's gone. You know, the whole nine yards, quite impressive. Place was a roar. I wish I had some audio recording equipment out there to hear the people and fans going wild. It was a great environment. Unfortunately, it was a good day. it's not a great result. Yeah, it was just a good day. <laughs> we won that game, so that's what mattered. So that's what clinched the playoffs, and so I'm very happy for Center Hill. There we go. We're going to move on to Olive Branch Baseball. They played on Tuesday, and they lost to the South Central 7-11. to Unfortunately, their pitching staff was open all day on Thursday when they lost to the Central 0-10. Ouch. Yeah. Let's that. just keep moving. <laughs> We're going to move on to the women's over there. The Olive Branch softball team lost Tuesday 0-12 to against Lewisburg, and I think that ended their season because I didn't see a game on Thursday. Um, I'm not sure about that, but Lewisburg is a stacked softball team as they always are. So, yeah, I know the score looks bad, but, uh, it doesn't surprise me a little bit. Uh, I think the softball teams at Olive Branch and the baseball teams at Olive Branch, you know, like I said, youthful coaches are working. I think they're going to get better. It's going to be a whole different district now that uh, Center Hill is joining them next year, uh, since they're all be 6A. So it'll all be interesting to see how it goes from there. Speaking of the baseball and softball powerhouse that is Lewisburg, we're going to start off with their women. As we mentioned earlier, they played Olive Branch and won 12-0, then went on to play Tupelo, and they beat them 10-0. So, yeah, that goes ahead and shows some of the power they had on that team. Yeah, they're, they're, they're no slouches. There's no doubt. Now let's move on to the men. Lewisburg baseball ended up playing Tupelo, who is another top-ranked team in the state on Tuesday. Unfortunately, they lost 0-2 in what was an epic duel between two Division I pitchers. Lewisburg's pitcher, Brady Tiger. Yeah, that's right. When you have a name like Brady Tiger, you know you're meant to do some big things in sports. He is going to be heading to Arkansas, and he threw eight no-hit innings with 14 strikeouts and somehow got a no decision. But it was better than a loss, which is unfortunately what Lewisburg got in that game. They then went on to play Tupelo again on Thursday, and they redeemed themselves, winning 5-4. to four. And on Saturday, they took the series win against Tupelo, beating them 4-0. to zero. Congratulations to Lewisburg. That's a great accomplishment. I think that puts them in the driver's seat as the number one team in their district. We'll get to see how that goes from here. Absolutely. We look forward to giving everybody these baseball stats as they continue on through the playoffs. Absolutely. Guys, that's the end of the sports we have for this week. I want to say again, a thank you to all of our sponsors. That has been absolutely fantastic what they're doing for us. As always, we encourage you to check out these businesses and the services they provided as they are local and they help our community. And not only are they just local and that's why we're using them, but they are also the best in the area as proven by DeSoto's Times Best of 2020. This is voted on by you. So you know that they are that good. So if we could go ahead and ask you to give us a subscribe, like, or comment on this episode because that's what really drives us. And we are on every major platform, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, you name it, we're on it. Absolutely, guys. Make sure you send us an email, too, if you want to communicate. That is at dobpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook. And we want to say a special thanks to all the people who reached out to us on the phone, email, through messaging and everything that you got to hear this week, as well as several others, which we just could not record and put that many on here. It is very special to hear from all the community members and the people around it voicing their opinions. And that's what we want to do. We want people to hear and have a voice of what's going on and so that we can all build this together as always hope you enjoy what you're listening to and next week we have alderman dale dickerson going to be joining us as he's going to give us his background and motivation moving forward and let me tell you this is a man who loves the city of olive branch because he has been a part of the city of olive branch for a very long time well until then i'm zach and i'm cash and we'll see y'all next week